Merry Christmas. And Feliz Natal from Brazil. Natal from Brazil. Feliz Natal. Can you say that? No. Okay, yeah. Half of you are like, no. All right. Hi, I'm Pastor Tom Ramsey. Um, You don't see me up here a whole lot anymore, but I'm the only pastor on staff now. Today. No, just today. Everybody else took vacation, and I'm actually on vacation too, so I'm trying to catch up on the six-hour deficit in time between here and Brazil. And uh, um, yeah, I was going to show you a picture of my Christmas present. I don't know if you can see it from, from way back there. It's coming. All right, all right, just wait for it, okay? Okay, I'm going to blow it up as big as I can. Can you see that? Oh, look at that. Yeah, the kids can see it. It's a bearded dragon. His name is Cato 2, because we had a dog named Cato once. <laughs> so I'm excited about that. I, you know what? I was very anxious because my son has a couple of these, and he kind of got me into this, maybe you should get one too. And I thought, yeah, it stays in a cage, and it pretty much takes care of itself except for dropping crickets in. Um, hope that doesn't offend you vegetarians, but... Um, he loves to eat crickets. I say he, but I don't really know. I guess you have to wait a while to find out um, what they are. But uh, I waited 12 or 13 days before I got him because I didn't want to get him before Brazil and leave him with my wife and have her standing on chairs around the house. So uh, I wanted to talk about waiting a little bit. And I'm wondering, um, I, maybe some of the kids in the room are waiting right now. I don't know. So kids, if you're under 18... Okay, yeah. Um, are you waiting for anything this morning? Or has everything that you wanted to accomplish been accomplished? What are you guys waiting for? Okay, and what happens there? Oh, opening presents. Anybody else waiting to open presents still? Oh, look at there's a bunch of you. Yeah, even Grandpa on the back. Yeah, you're still waiting. All right, all right. So you must be the 18-year-old grandpa, right? All right. So, yeah, um, you know, it's it's kind of interesting. After, uh, I remember growing up, after Christmas is over and you're into January 1st, you go, okay, how many more days until Christmas next year? And you start anticipating the next year, especially if you weren't old enough to get what you really wanted this Christmas, right? So there's this anticipation of waiting um, for kids, and some of you are waiting right now to go home and and uh, get some presents or eat or whatever the case may be. Um, there's this other kind of waiting, which I experienced this morning. I'm still waking up pretty early. So at 6 when I got up, I jumped on Facebook for a minute because the people in Brazil have already been up for about six hours, that maybe longer at that point. And uh, there was um, a former student's wife who had just posted, it's 6 a.m., I'm up, where are the rest of you? You know, to her kids. She's Facebooking her kids who live in the house. They're all, you know, under 15. And they haven't gotten up yet. And now she's waiting because she can't wait to see them open the presents or whatever. So I'm here with my coffee. Could someone please Facebook me and say Merry Christmas or something? I feel like I'm all alone and I'm tired of waiting. Um, And then there's this other group of people that were waiting a little bit longer than 365 days or for the service to end or for Tom to quit talking so they could go do their thing. And uh, this was the nation of Israel, and in the passages that I'm going to talk about today, 
many of these people who were living at the time Jesus was born have, have been waiting about 700 years, but I'll come back to that. So um, there, there's this story in the Bible that tells us that back in about 700 B.C., a prophet named Isaiah predicted a major event for the nation of Israel. So we'll look at this up on the screen here, Isaiah chapter 9. This is some selected verses from there. Uh, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. That makes it sound like it's right now. Um, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign in David's throne, or on David's throne, and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So some key points in this prediction from Isaiah. The condition of the world was darkness. The birth of a child who would be Jesus. His identity would be God in the flesh. His lineage would be from King David, and his future would be forever. Around the same time, another prophet, a guy named Micah, added a little bit more detail to this future prediction. So over in Micah 5, uh, we see some, some of this happening. It says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Curious phrase. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be our peace. So included in Micah's prediction are a location of the birth of this person in Bethlehem. The purpose would be a shepherd, as we see later in John chapter 10. His origin from ancient times. So somebody who's coming has already existed, and we see that in John chapter 1, 1 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, the Word was with God, and then in 14 the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So about 700 years after, well let me back up. Um, so because this was about 600 years before Jesus was even born, there's going to be some more waiting. Um, and 700 years later, a young Jewish girl named Mary enters into this story, and she'll have something to do with this prediction. But I don't know if Mary was waiting. She was probably a teenager. I don't know exactly what age she was, but I don't know that she was waiting for what was about to happen. I think she was waiting to be married to Joseph, uh, who she was engaged to at the time. But then something happened. In Luke chapter 1, it says that God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, who was a descendant of King David, and so was she, by the way. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. So I don't know if you were a teenager and an angel showed up in your room, what you would be thinking or doing at the moment, but it says Mary was confused and disturbed, and that might be putting it lightly. Mary tried to think what this angel could mean. So for a young girl, this was a pretty big deal. Uh, the angel said, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And then these words, 
you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. That's a lot to swallow. It took me about 15 seconds to read that verse. And here's Mary actually getting this proclaimed from an angel who apparently she had never seen before. And I'm just thinking this is a pretty big deal. So maybe the waiting starts now. Like, what's going to happen with all this? So I'm going to switch over to the story about Joseph for a minute, Mary's new husband-to-be. And it says that before they came together, Mary was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And because Joseph was a good man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he thought about divorcing her quietly. So at this point, we know Joseph knows something up. Um, he knew she was pregnant. He knew it wasn't him. And maybe he wasn't even sure who the father was. So the angel has to clear this up pretty quickly. So the angel says to Joseph in a dream, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Now, you've had dreams in the middle of the night before, right? Yep. The kind where you wake up and you think this is really happening. This one apparently was really happening. And whatever he was thinking or observing about Mary... Um, Again, I think this is a pretty big deal. It says, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because the child inside her is from the Holy Spirit. Maybe a deep sigh of relief at that point. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus because he will save their people from their sins. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel told him to do, and he took Mary home as his wife. I can only think of one dream where I've ever done that. And it was when I was 21 years old and I was all alone in Chico. And I'm not even going to tell you about the dream, but literally I went to sleep praying like crazy. I woke up under my covers sweating. And when I got up in the morning, I did exactly what I thought the dream told me to do, which is get back in the Word, start reading, start, start taking notes, start paying attention, start doing something about what you're reading. And my life was changed. But there was no children in the picture at that point. So it says here that uh, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel told him, um, but he had no union with Mary until she gave birth to a son. So this brings us to the Luke 2 story, which uh, we'll put this up on the screen and you can just follow along with me. Um, you may have even heard this last night, but some of the things in here are going to connect with how I wrap this up. So everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from the city of Nazareth to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. There it is again. Because he was of the house and the family of David. So maybe you can see how this is going to work out. In order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. So good news, great joy for everyone. We'll come back to that. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, 
Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from him into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, with the, uh, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lie in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told to them about this child, and all who heard wondered at the things which were told to them by the shepherds. Now I want to talk about this waiting for a minute. When I walked in the door today and started seeing some of the younger kids, do you know what their first question was for me? What did you get? Are you having a good Christmas? Or do you have any fruit snacks? Uh, yes, I have fruit snacks. They're in a box right here. And I think I have enough for all of you. But you're going to have to wait maybe about 20 minutes. Can you do that? Yeah? You can wait 20 minutes? Emma? Can you wait 20 minutes? Yeah, okay. So you can anticipate that. Maybe that'll keep you on edge or looking at the clock. I don't know what it'll do. Um, this guy that I want to tell you about next, his name was Simeon, and he, it says, he'll say in a minute, he'd been waiting a really long time. So maybe when he was born and was old enough to start learning what the Bible was about, what the scriptures are about, he might say, ah, wow, I've actually been waiting about 4,000 years, because way back in Genesis 3.15, there was a little bit of a promise made. It was a promise that was part of a curse. And the curse was on Satan for tempting Adam and Eve to sin. And it says in the curse to Satan right here, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. It's really the first mention of Jesus in the Old Testament that this would be the, the seed that would come to conquer Satan once and for all. But maybe he was just waiting about 2,000 years because when he learned about Abraham, and certainly he would have, um, a promise was made to Abraham in Genesis 12. And God said to Abraham, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And then there's this, and all the people on the earth will be blessed through you. Now, how's that going to happen if Abraham doesn't even have any kids? Well, as you know, he has one son named Isaac, who if you look at Matthew chapter 1, you can see in the genealogy, this leads to the birth of Jesus through that lineage. And so this promise made to Abraham 2,000 years ago was that um, the earth would be blessed through him. Another uh, nod to Jesus. And then we keep hearing this thing about the city of David and the king of David and the throne of David. And if we look at uh, 2 Samuel, uh, somewhere in here, here it is. The Lord declares that the Lord himself will establish a house for you, he says to David. When your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, who will come from your own body, and I will establish his kingdom... He is one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So again, another reference to Jesus. So through Adam, through Abraham, through uh, David, um, this promise begins to happen. And Simeon would have known all this. As near as I can tell, Simeon was probably in his 80s 
So, you know, I know there's people in the room that are older than that. And maybe there's some things that you've waited all your life for. For example, my dad at 16 asked Jesus into his heart and he began to pray for his family, none of them who went to church. And it was actually when his sister turned 84 that she decided to follow Jesus for the last few years of her life. So I remember him walking down the hall uh, one day and he was just crying and I said, what's wrong? And he goes, his sister had just died. And he says, I'm crying because she's in heaven now because two years ago after waiting all those years, she asked Jesus into her heart. And uh, I hadn't seen him cry very much, but um, that was a moment that, that I remember. And it was his waiting that brought him to that. So let me go back to Simeon here for a minute. Um, it says in Luke chapter 2, and I think I have this on the screen for you. Um, At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was a righteous and devout, and he was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and to rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. He took this child in his arms and he praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation for which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations and he is the glory of your people Israel. So that day, Simeon, uh, a Jew, realized that God had fulfilled his 700-year-old promise to provide salvation for his people. So to Mary and to Joseph and to Simeon, this was a really big deal. So we've connected the birth of Jesus to Christmas over the years, and we celebrate a lot of things at this time of the year, but one of the things we celebrate um, is the birth of Jesus. Um, Many people use Christmas as a time to celebrate family and give gifts. A lot of you are here with your family and you've either done that or you're about to, um, to eat or to be festive or maybe just to rest. And in my family, as of last night, all of those things um, have happened. But the story of Luke says um, that the angels brought good news of great joy for all people. And so it wasn't just for the Jews, who Simeon was one, but it was for all people. And that would include us as well. So why then is Christmas sometimes more hassle than happiness, a source of stress or more, uh, more pressure than pleasure? Have you experienced that at any point in time? I mean, just as I was walking in, uh, somebody just asked me, did you get all your presents in time? You know, since I just got home Tuesday from Brazil. And I went, uh, you know, some of them are coming next week from Amazon. <laughs> yeah, me too, you know? So... Um, being that I left uh, around the 8th and was going to be gone during all that time of good sales and things. I mean, you think of this, sometimes that becomes the focus more than what really should be, this good news of great joy for all people. Um, sometimes the stress comes from uh, relatives, you know. Uh, not that that means any of you that are visiting this weekend, but um, you know, when, when young couples are just getting married and both of their families live far apart, there's this stress of what are we going to do, where are we going to go? I even remember 
times where it's like, this is getting really expensive. Not just the food, but buying gifts for everybody in your family and you buying gifts for everyone in mine. And that wasn't, we, neither of us had really big families. It was like five and four. But that's, you know, about at least nine presents. You, you know, sometimes all those presents become returns because you don't really know what the people want, but you feel obligated to get something for them, right? And so some of that plays in. I'm like, uh, I told my wife, I said, tell your mom not to buy me anything. You know, and then we got, that was kind of bad because then we just send checks to each other. And then it got to the point where let's just pick one person from the other, from each family, and you draw their name and you buy them a gift and keep it under $35 back in the day. I don't know if you can do that anymore. I think Hot Wheels cars cost $35 now. Um, so that's the red line ones from, that came out in 1967. Yeah, they actually cost that much. Um, so sometimes we endure this season rather than enjoy it. And sometimes Christmas makes people feel uneasy. Um, you know, in our politically correct culture, sometimes you can't really talk about it or say Christmas. It used to be Christmas break, now it's winter break or winter solstice or all these other names. And you have to be careful that you don't offend somebody uh, by saying Christmas. Um, interesting, I think um, in Mexico, it's uh, Feliz Navidad. That sounds a lot like nativity. Anybody speak Spanish that know what Navidad means? Yeah. What does it mean? It means Christmas, but doesn't sound like Christmas, right? Yeah, I know. Feliz is happy. And Navidad, I mean, literally translated, does it mean Christmas? Or does it mean the nativity? I'm just guessing, okay? Uh, in Brazil, it's... Um, Feliz Natal, and that doesn't sound like Christmas either, but it means uh, Christmas, and Santa Claus is called, oh, um, Papa Noel down there. And so Noel sounds like a Christmas song, and, and Natal sounds like nativity, and they don't have any problem saying any of those words where they are, you know, so I, I don't know if we can have a word that isn't at Christmas that means that, that we can say and not offend anybody. Um, so maybe your religious background may not include Christmas, or maybe you have no faith at all. Um, and watching others celebrate this holiday we call Christmas makes you feel uneasy. Um, for other people, it's a time that's lonely or depressing. Um, it may remind them of losses or hurt or changes or just being alone. And some of them are just tired because it's been a really long year at this point. So regardless of your background, um, your religion, your beliefs, your problems, or your circumstances, Christmas really brings the best news that you could get. With the Christmas story comes good news about God's gift of love for all people. Um, this gift, which was his son, is the most expensive gift you'll ever receive. It's actually priceless because Jesus paid with his life. This is the only gift that lasts forever, and it's practical and useful every day of the rest of your life, this gift of Jesus. So on the night of Jesus' birth, the angels announced three purposes for his birth. The first one was celebration, and the celebration is that God is with you, God loves you, and God is for you. He's on your side. The second purpose was salvation, salvation from our own selfish pursuits, from the penalty of sin, 
from the finality of death. And third purpose was reconciliation. It starts with forgiveness. We get a clean slate. We get a restored relationship with God as it was in the beginning, before sin started. Um, In closing, um, thinking about all of this, I'm remembering uh, a song by Chris Tomlin. Um, These were the words, a refuge for the poor, a shelter from the storm. This is our God. And he will wipe away your tears and return your wasted years. This is our God. A father to the orphan, a healer to the broken. This is our God. And he brings peace to our madness and comfort in our sadness. This is our God. And then he says, this is the one that we've waited for. This is our God. So I'm going to ask you to watch this um, short video in closing. Um, It's a song. There's no lyrics um, on the screen, but I think it's clear enough that you'll hear it. And uh, um, a few years ago, this became, I think 2012 when I heard it, it became my favorite Christmas song because it not only tells part of the story, but it causes us to think about some things that we probably really need to think about. What is the value of this gift that God gave us, um, this gift of Jesus? What is the value? And then what do we do with it? Um, How does that play out as we wrap this up? And then we'll sing one more carol and then... Kids, I'll meet you out in the lobby with your fruit snacks. Um, Just before the video plays, let me pray. God, thank you so much for this gift. Um, Pray as we um, watch this video that and listen to these words that you would stir us about some things maybe we haven't thought out thought about before. Maybe um, about what Jesus was thinking about us, um, what he came to realize as he grew older and chose to sacrifice his life on the cross. And then, Father, I pray that um, something about what we've heard today um, would change to bring us peace, as your word promises. Something would change that we would actually do something about to be instruments of peace in the world around us, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in the places we work. Um, That more than just a, a celebration once a year where we give and receive gifts, we would figure out how to do that all year round because we have received the greatest gift of all. How can we share that gift every day with the people around us? Thank you in Jesus' name, amen.